I'm going to start with a confession. That's the first time I've ever sung that hymn. Thank you for picking it. Thanks for singing along. Fabulous. Thanks to my partners in each of my ears who helped singing louder so I could figure my way through that hymn. Confession over. We begin with invocation and prayer. The light of God fills all of creation, inviting us to shine like the dawn. The light of God fills us with compassion, inviting us to pray. The light of God fills every moment, inviting us to reach out beyond what we think we know or can do. We are called to become the evidence of the living word for the healing of the world. We pray. Holy God, creator of light and giver of goodness, your voice moves over the waters. Immerse us in your grace and transform us by your spirit, that we may follow the path set before us, illuminated by your light and love and grace. Amen. Be seated. Today's reading comes from Mark chapter 1. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Here ends the reading. Jesus came from Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and declaring the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is, at hand, is near, repent and believe the gospel. I have been deeply impressed over the years by the children's book by Morris Sendak entitled, Where the Wild Things Are. I don't remember much about Max and the adventures or the plot of that children's book, but I remember the cover, and I'll bet some of you do too. The strange ogre on the cover with his long nails sitting up in a tree, 
in the midst of the wild and the, the bush of a jungle setting. Where the Wild Things Are is marking its 50th anniversary and is still a bestseller among children. The reality of our world is that there are still major parts of the world where jungles and the bush and the wild things are very real. They are dangerous places in the world where wild animals and snakes, poisonous insects, plants and trees can harm people. And that book, like those places, is about human fear and how we deal with it. In the late 1860s, Ludwig Nomensen went from Germany to just such a place, northern Sumatra, the Batak Church, where the major problem was animism, the most prominent form of religion that scared people. You did not want to go into the bush alone because evil spirits resided there, and there were people who did not come back, people who became lost, people became ill, people died in the bush, and it was believed that the bush was filled with evil spirits. Over the span of 40 years, Nomensen had incredible success, developing schools and hospitals, a church that grew from just a handful of people to a community over 180,000 by 1918 when he died. He completed a translation of the New Testament and worked with people. But there are two aspects of his work that I find absolutely fascinating. For political reasons, and especially during World War I, Nomensen was totally cut off from support salary or support of all kinds from Germany. He was left all alone in northern Sumatra. So what did he do? He did what he was convinced he had to do, and that was to train teachers. And from the very beginning of his ministry there, he started a lay education program that resulted much later in the formation of Nomensen University, training people in health and theology and other concerns. To be a Christian was to be a teacher. There was no other way, a catechist, if you were confirmed or baptized. But the second amazing aspect of Nomensen's work was that he focused on the people's fears and their superstitions. In 1952, this became a major controversy at the Lutheran World Federation gathering. The Batak Church that Nomensen had founded wanted to be admitted to the LWF. The requirement in good Lutheran tradition was that they had to accept the three ecumenical creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, and they had to confess all of the Augsburg Confession, even the unaltered Augsburg Confession, with all of its Christology and all of its theology and theological formulations over the years especially the humanity and the divinity of Jesus, being of one substance with the Father. And Nomensen said, our people in Sumatra don't know anything about that, but they have other problems, and we have allowed our church confession to emerge from the experiences of our people. And among the confessional statements that that church had is this a remarkable statement. We believe in one loving God who does not come forth from the bush. 
We are looking at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, in which it declares that Jesus came from Nazareth proclaiming the Gospel, proclaiming the Gospel of God and saying, repent and trust in that good news. And in the diverse ecumenical world in which we live, I think it is very important for us to think about those opening lines in Mark. Matthew and Luke and John will be more complicated. You'll get the feeling that the gospel is all about the divinity of Christ or affirming belief in Jesus. Not in Mark. In Mark, Jesus is the gospel bringer. He declares the good news of God's love for all people. I have been involved with Jewish-Christian dialogue for over 50 years. And one of the realities that I have learned is that Christians also often want to start the dialogue by asking the first question, what do you think of Jesus? And I have learned that that is really a dead-end question. It is insulting and it shapes the debate in a particular way that is hard for Muslims and Jews. Rather, in Jewish, Muslim, and Christian discussions in the last decade, the fundamental questions have become, what do you think God is like? And with it, the second question, how does God want us to live as responsible people? Those are questions that allow equal starting ground for Jews, Muslims, and Christians. I think that that dialogue is obviously more important than ever in our world if we are to find world peace. I'm so very pleased that Rabbi Bell is here among us. And I'm pleased that Rose Aslan and Rahul Deep Gill are members of our religion department because a university should be a place where those questions are prominent. What do we think God is like? How does God want us to live? Theologian John Cobb has written, what is new about the New Testament, what is really distinctive and about the New Testament is not the message of the grace of God. It is the embrace of the other. In the early church, this happened. Jews and Gentiles, women and men, rich and poor, insiders and outsiders, all told that we are children of God, that we are called to be children of God, to live with ultimate worth in our self-image and our concern and empathy for others. And we say, regardless of gender, sexual identity, race, ethnicity, Jesus came proclaiming good news for human people. I keep thinking of a story that Phyllis Anderson told some time ago. She was on a Lutheran deputation driving across a very remote rural part of the Cameroon in East Africa. She was with three other representatives. They were tired and weary. They were visiting churches in that remote area and they were traveling in a panel truck with the large letters LWF on the side of the truck, Lutheran World Federation. They had made a rest stop at a very small village along a dusty road, unpaved, obviously no electricity, no plumbing in the village, and she remembered several trucks going by at rather high speed, kicking up a cloud of dust behind them that then floated down and settled on the river right beside the road. They managed to find some primitive restrooms and something cool to drink. She said, Coca-Cola seems to be all over the world, even in that remote village. And the three of them were standing, 
Three of them were standing alongside the truck, and three elderly women were there, quite heavy set, staring at them with great curiosity. And then they seemed to be laughing among themselves, and she said it was just curious. After a few moments, one of them summoned her courage and came over and spoke to these Western women, and in very broken English, overcame her fears, and she said, LWF, you, water bringers. Then the three of them insisted on taking the women a block away to show them the new village well that had just been dug the previous year. Phyllis and the others quickly realized that this was one of the villages where Norwegian well drillers sent out by the Lutheran World Federation had created a new village well. No longer did these women need to trek with pails on their head across that dusty road and down to the water to try to get clean water for their families. Phyllis said she still gets a wonderful feeling every time she tells that story and thinks about it, re recalling the smiles that those women had and the words they said, you, water bringers. The gospel is clearly a matter in every age of bringing good gifts and sharing good gifts. In Mark, we are called to reflect on the ways in which the good news can be made real in our time and in our place with new words and new actions. It may be bringing clean water to a dusty village or sharing a cup of water with someone. Or maybe it is helping people not to be afraid, not even of the wild things, not even things in the bush. Amen. Everlasting God, we bless you that you have brought us to the mountaintop and fed us with word and life. Send us from this place to bring light into dark corners, healing lives are torn, and nourishment to a hungry heart. Amen. <laughs>